gosh, why do I look so much tanner than you right now? That's just me. <laughs> I'm just white. <laughs> Not you. Oh, it's man. Just me. <laughs> Was it uh, the Casper the Friendly Ghost? <laughs> Hey, what's happening, you guys? Welcome to the Proclivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Cochran. I'm here with Emily Rodella. And today, what we're going to be talking about is chronic back pain. We're going to talk chronic back pain, acute back pain, and it's not, negation acknowledged, what you think it's going to be. So today, we're going to address the statistics of back pain. Are you a statistic of back pain? We're going to talk about the different causes of back pain. What is actually causing the back pain? Most people are thinking, oh, you know, I twisted wrong and that's why my back went out. Yeah. Okay. We'll deal with that. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about how to treat your back pain. So if you have any type of back pain and you're listening to the podcast, this is for you. Emily, have you ever dealt with low back pain? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> and uh, I, well, for me, definitely during pregnancy, postpartum a little bit. And I know that's very true for a lot of other mothers as well. Makes sense, right? But there's also a lot of other things yeah. going on, not just physically. That's what we're uh -huh. going to talk about. Mm, she's already throwing some hints out there, guys. Let's first dig into the statistics. We're diving in. That's what we want to do. You guys got busy schedules, right? We want to get you right into it. So let's talk about the statistics of back pain. This is, we researched some of this, and the, the really interesting numbers. 540 million people suffer from back pain. Eight out of 10 Americans deal with back problems one to two times a year. Eight out of 10. This is a good podcast because this is covering a lot of people. 84% <laughs> of people will deal with low back pain sometime in their life. I mean, we're talking millions and millions and millions and millions of people. Why are we having such issues with low back pain? It's not like we're talking about shoulders right? 540 million people suffering with shoulder issues. And we're talking about back eight out of 10 people. This is some pretty serious stuff. Now we should take a look at back pain in general, because that could be very global, right? From one, like, oh, I got a little achy ache to I can't get up or I've been dealing this for a really long time. So there's, there's three different types of back pain. There's acute back pain, which is very short term. Maybe it lasts a day or up to a couple of weeks. That's where maybe you did, you went a little too hard in the workout and your back is feeling tender, yet you get a good night's sleep, you know, you eat the right foods, inflammation goes down, you feel fine. Still pain, still low back, yet short term. Then there's subacute pain. Subacute pain is anything that lasts from those two to four weeks up to 12 weeks. 
So we're talking, you know, from a month to three months where maybe you're going to see the chiropractor, you're, you're getting some adjustments, you're getting some massage. It's getting a little bit better yet. It still seems like there's something going on. That could be nerve stuff. It could be muscular. It could be structural. And then there's chronic back pain. Chronic back pain is lasting anything more than three months. So this is where we might have some things like a slipped disc, um, some, some, uh, maybe deeper muscular kind of stuff in terms of maybe some torn tendons or uh, muscle, right? That is lasting longer. So when we take a look at back pain, you guys, we should take a look at, is this short term? Is it acute? Is it subacute? Or is it chronic? And if it's chronic, it could be something that's beyond the physical. And we're going to dive into that yet before we get into really what, what we can do to help heal back pain. Let's first look at what is actually causing back pain. Hmm. So Emily, what are some of the things that may cause us to have low back pain? Yeah. I often look at this very similarly to I, I compare it to something like acid reflux or high blood pressure, right? There's triggers for those things, but those aren't actually the root cause. So when looking at back pain, right, the triggers tend to be the, the surface level stuff like that will overflow our stress cup, right? I've talked about this a lot in terms of how full is your stress cup? Everyone's stress cup is going to be a different size, how much they can handle. Mm -hmm. Once you start overflowing it, it comes out in a physical manifestation, very commonly so as lower back pain. So mm. we'll start surface level, but we'll get to the root cause of some stressors, right? But the things that are triggers, right? That can trigger you into some low back pain, right? If you're listening, you're like, yeah, I get that every once in a while, maybe once, twice a year kind of thing. Okay. Well, inflammation, right? That inflammation can be from overworking yourself, not warming up in a workout, like literally overworking your body in a workout, but also overworking, right? You're sitting too long, you're standing too long, you're running too much, um, whatever that may be for you. But it could be inflammation in the body when it comes to the foods you eat, right? A lack of omega-3s because omega-3s, we know, are they fight inflammation. So it could be a nutrient deficiency, Al too much alcohol, too much sugar, right? All these different inflammatory things that start to fill your cup, fill your cup, fill your cup until it starts to overflow. So inflammation is a very big one, right? And, and, and are there any other signs, Emily, of like, I, I know we're talking about low back pain and, you know, you're going to have some low back pain or joint pain or so on and so forth. If you have inflammation, are there any other signs of high inflammation that people can start like keying into that yeah. might be signs before like the back goes out or the shoulder starts, you know, hurting or anything like that. Yeah, totally. All sorts of thing. Typically, like you said, people think of like joint pain, right? Or just like feeling a little stiff or maybe you have like a knee injury and that starts to flare up too, right? There's some kind of swollen area in your body, but it could be gut issues, right? Some ex extra bloating, some irregular bowel movements, foggy brain, like lack of focus, um, feeling extra tired at night or in the morning, 
uh, could be skin issues, right? All sorts of inflammation, random stuff that may be coming up and showing us those little signs of like, hey, yellow light, right? Mm. There's something not right here and it's starting to physically manifest in little areas. So all sorts of things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay. What else? What else? Yeah. Right. And so within that inflammation, it could, again, these things play off each other. It could be tight muscles or tendons, and that could just be from being too stiff, right? Like not moving enough, not getting enough blood flow, which could be from simply not moving enough in general throughout your day, not moving your body. It could be from not getting enough collagen or like I said, omega threes. Um, and so just tight muscles in general. And that could be also from, we'll get into this in a moment, but just stress and holding the stress in our body and physically being too tight, right? Mm, being mm -hmm, in that sympathetic mm -hmm. state too much. Um, but that goes along with on the other side could be overtraining, right? We're doing too much. And especially if you're doing too much for where your stress level is at, right? Where your stress cup is at, how full it is. If you're overtraining, that's going to overflow it. If we are overtraining with poor mechanics, right? Especially if you're doing something repetitive like running or rowing or riding a bike and it's just super repetitive and you keep doing it with poor mechanics or I like to think about poor shoes, right? Or poor posture. Mm. Mm. Those things done over and over again are going to lead to imbalances in pain and inflammation. Um, and that could be, again, something as simple as being at your desk, sitting in a certain spot, leaning on one hip or one shoulder or one arm throughout the day, holding your yep. kid on one side, popping your hip out, right? Mm -hmm. These things done over and over again, even if it feels or seems little, add up, right? Yeah. Is there anything else? I know you work with a lot of people physically. Is there any other common mechanical issues that you see? Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest mechanical guys is going to be what you're doing majority of the day. Okay. This is one of the reasons why we encourage walking because one of the best things for your low back hips is walking, getting out a brisk walk. It doesn't have to be like you're out of breath, but you're, you're walking with purpose because you're getting hip extension and flexion over and over again. There's rotation that's happening in the hips. There's a lot of different mechanical things that are going on on just walking. And that's why we believe walking is such a superpower, not only because psychologically it's nice to be able to go for a walk, leave your phone back at the office or at home, even if it's only for 10 minutes, going for a walk is going to be able to help you psychologically decompress. And it also is going to help you decompress your joints by being able to go for a walk. Yet make sure to tune in on what you are mechanically doing every day. I had a client who uh, did a lot of internet work, right? Software company. And so on, with his right hand, he was constantly reaching across to type on his keyboard. So he's internally rotated majority of the day. Well, he did that for weeks on weeks, months on months, years on years. And his shoulder got trapped on an internally rotated position where it was hard for him to get his shoulder up overhead and it's taken tons and tons of work to release that scap and get that shoulder into better movement function because for hours at a time he was reaching across to the center of his body and typing on the keyboard and that's what messed with his shoulder 
Mm-hmm. And so even just thinking about it right now, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, pull your shoulders back, pull your chin back, and you'll feel yourself go like, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That feels that feels different mm-hmm. because we're usually so slouched over. Yep. Yeah. So looking at our phone. We're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, big time. Big time. And as you know, former CrossFit coaches, what I would see often, and this is not just in CrossFit, right? It's a lot of places I see in the gym is super cushiony shoes doing these movements that need more stability in our feet, right? So mm. we're huge fans, depending on where you're at in your body, right? If there are any pre-existing injuries, but if you can transitioning to a low cushion or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Minimalist. Minimalist Zero drop. type shoe. Zero drop. There you go. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, so your foot can actually work and grip and use its muscles and help train the, you know, the muscles in your ankles and your calves and your shins and all working its way up to its hip, your hips and your back, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it's supposed to be. And a shoe that's wide enough to allow your foot to actually do that. So we'll, we'll talk about some things down the road. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to, you want to drop your shoe? I mean, I know you, (laughs) the, the whole reason why you and your husband are married. Nope. No, we just like minimalist shoes because we know the benefit. Okay. We'll talk okay. about it in a, in a minute. We'll talk about how you and Casey fell in love with each other <laughs> or you falling in love with him. Cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. So poor mechanics, right? Some uh, wrapping that part up. Then we get to the deeper root cause issues for the majority. Mm. What are those, right? Yeah. I mentioned me it before. More. Right. When we talk about our stress cup, what is filling our stress cup up or another way to look at it? What are you, what is emptying your soul cup? Right. When people are like, Oh, what fills your cup? Like what brings you joy? Okay. Let's look at Mm -hmm. it on the other side. What's taking out of that cup. Right. And a lot of time in proclivity, we teach about, you know, go back, listen to our proclivity pyramid episode. It's our structure in our day, Mm -hmm. which leads Mm -hmm. to our stress. Oftentimes, are we running around rushed or go, 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 or doing too much, right? Thinking about the parasympathetic versus sympathetic state. Are we in the sympathetic fight or flight state too much? Mm -hmm. Yes. 99% Mm -hmm. of us are, right? It's it's how our culture is these days. And so it's coming from a lot of built up little things over time, but also it could be actual more in-depth stuff like stored trauma, Right, whether you realize you had trauma or not, some people are like, no, I, I had a, I had good parents, I had a good upbringing. You know, I've never had any trauma. Like I'm known people who, you know, had their legs blown off and been in war and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, that's of course trauma too, but that doesn't mean you don't, you don't have trauma, right? We all have it at some level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Correct. being able to take a look at that because that is keeping our central nervous system bogged down if we haven't released that. Right. And that's mm-hmm. keeping our stress cup at a level that's feeling <laughs> pressureful, I like to say. Uh, Good old pressureful. <laughs> and if you don't, if you keep holding on to that, it's going to fester and fester and fester and again cause other physical manifestations such as low back pain commonly. And then often, where does all of that come from? Right. Where does that start? It's the story or the beliefs or the words that we're saying in our head or to others. Right. That's so right. again, this is why we do what we do. We talk about language because that's where everything starts when it comes to our perspective, our mindset, Mm -hmm. what we think about Mm -hmm. ourselves and others in where we're at. Yep. Yep. 50% of the formula guys is the physical side. How is our body moving? 
what are we feeling it? Mm -hmm. The other 50% of the formula to living a healthy and happy life is psychologically. Your body is affected by your words, by your mindset, by what you think and what you feel. If we only have 50% of the formula, your back's going to keep going out. And I dare you to think back to the last time that your back went out. I dare you and go, oh, there's zero stress. I was so relaxed and everything was so good. And my back just went out. Psych. I still don't know a single person. Not one. In which their back went out when they were at total, total peace. Everything mm -hmm. was great. Unless it was something that was very acute, very traumatic. I mm -hmm. fell off a ladder, hit my back. Right. Okay. So taking a look at this, you guys, we know the causes, high inflammation from the foods that we are having, how much we are exercising, how much we aren't exercising and moving. What are we saying to ourselves? What's our, what's our emotional stress? Where, where's our language at? This is all going to really depend on how your back is going to heal by being able to have the right language. So let's take a look at this. Let's give some really tactful stuff in being able to start treating low back pain. First and foremost, let's look at actually the, the food. Emily, what, what should people do to be able to start decreasing inflammation? So they, they, they don't, they didn't really know, right. They're like, Oh man, food can really cause that inflammation. And maybe that's what's causing some of my back pain. Yep. What's some of the first things they should go after when it comes to nutrition? Yeah. Number one, minimize sugar, whether that be alcohol or refined sugar, or even, um, overdoing it on like paleo treats, right? So minimizing the sugar or the refined flours, number one, because when your blood sugar spikes, inflammation occurs, um, it can make things worse in your gut, of course, too much mm -hmm. sugar, and mm -hmm. that causes inflammation. It's just a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. So sugar, alcohol, uh, secondly would be the seed oils, right? So the, mm -hmm. uh, the oxidized omega sixes, right? So there are quality omega sixes like in nuts and seeds and a lot of meats, actually, these have, these things have great quality omega sixes, but when we get them one in excess, but two, when they're oxidized, they've been exposed to light, heat, uh, and air where they're not supposed to. And it, it makes their structure oxidizing and it causes inflammation in our body. That's inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the easiest things is to check the labels for the food you're eating that are packaged to minimize seed oils. Look for things that we do want, like olive oil, avocado oil, coconut mm -hmm. oil. Mm -hmm. And then really avoid the seed oils like sunflower, canola, soybean, safflower, grapeseed, right? And then what goes along with that is can we eat out less, right? Because most restaurants gotcha. use those seed oils. So those are the top two in terms of diet. You can go a step further, right, to say, hey, what can I really hone in on when it comes to less inflammation? And for some people, that's grains. For some people, that's dairy, for some people, that's legumes. When I say these things, I mean like removing them or minimizing them for a period of time. Mm -hmm. See what helps you feel better. Yes. I, I And I totally uh, agree on that and that formula. 
Um, if you are having low back pain, start getting rid of the dairy and the, and the gluten. Just give it a shot. Does it See what happens. You? Yeah. Right. If you've already eliminated sugar, alcohol, seed oils, and you're like, oh man, I'm still having these kind of right. back stuff. Cool. Get rid of those two others. See what happens. See what happens. Okay. So that's from a, a, a nutritional standpoint. What we can do, obviously, making sure that we drink enough water through the that's day as well. Mm-hmm. Omega, omega-3s, mm-hmm. um, turmeric, high amounts of turmeric can, can help with inflammation, right? Yeah, there's some mixed research on it, but it definitely won't hurt. So try it out. Um, Mm Anti-inflammatory. They're like natural anti-inflammatories. And then, like you said, I forgot to mention, omega-3s are anti-inflammatories. So salmon, any kind of cold water fatty fish, if you can, or supplement with good quality stuff. Cool. Cool. So that's just starting on the internal, internal going external. Really focus on that, guys. If that isn't dialed in, from the inside out, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and start getting massages and, and dry needling and all of that kind of stuff. And you're still going to have the inflammation. So it's going to be really, really hard because when the back goes out, it gets inflamed. You have nerves that are running down through your back, hip, and you have get the sciatic nerve. And if those nerves are getting compressed, it will freak your body out and your body will lock down. And so that's why it's going cool. We're going to lock things down and it's going to be hard to move around. That's your body's natural response to protecting you. Your body's actually wanting to protect you. And that's Mm -hmm. something to consider. When my back went out recently, what I was saying to my body was, thank you. You're protecting me. You're asking me to slow down. And why did my back go out? My back went out because I was super stressed. There was a lot of stress going on, all these different balls that I was juggling, emotional, psychological, they're going through therapy and coaching. I had too many things on my plate. Mm-hmm. And my back was like, we need to slow you down. And I, I we- do want to add one thing, Go ahead. because if you're similar to me and you're like doing all these things right from the outside, and sometimes I do this to myself too. I'm like, no, I'm not stressed, right? I'm doing all these things. I'm handling it well. Right. <laughs> Cause I've talked to plenty of people who have pain. They're like, no, I'm not stressed. It's fine. Then I'm like looking, I'm like, okay, tell me about your day and your week and your month. I'm like that. Okay. And then I, I get reminded from Joel when I talk about it myself. <laughs> right. He's like, Emily, look at what you're doing. I'm like, oh yeah, that is a lot. Right. But we start to quote unquote handle it and it starts to be our new normal. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to, if you're like, no, I don't have stress. Slow down. Take a minute. Look at all that you're doing. Stop comparing yourselves to others. Oh, well, so-and-so does all this. So there's no way I should be stressed with doing what I do. No, Mm -hmm. slow down. Stop. Just look at you. Start tuning into your body. (laughs) So I just need to make that clear because I've heard it over and over again. I'm not stressed. Yes. Yes. I'm not stressed. Oh, guys, give me a break. If you're listening right now, you you know who you are. It's like that. It's like the alcoholic who can drink a Mm twenty-four pack and be fine. It's still not healthy, even though they can function after twenty-four beers. It's still not healthy that you still can function after working nine hours in the day, taking care of your family, doing high-intensity workout, cooking all your meals, and getting six hours of sleep. (laughs) 
sure you can function doesn't mean that it's healthy mm-hmm. and your back and body knows and will put you down because it goes we can't run at this clip or you'll die and your body knows best so that's why it shuts down or that's why it starts giving you rashes or whatever signs it needs to to go nah too much going on mm-hmm. and you can ignore it and you can die early or you can take those signs and go oh wait a second i want to live long not only do i want to live long but i want to live long with quality and so these are all some of the things so let's come it back to the the back pain we know nutritionally right we gave you guys some pieces and parts physically let's talk about a few things that you can do if currently you're dealing with some low back pain physically what we want to look at is how are those glutes firing off okay more specifically the glute med the upper high part of your butt okay that's more kind of on the outside that part when it's not firing off will shut down and then what has to take over the erectors those muscles that are right uh surrounding the spine those have to go into overdrive to pick up why would your glute meads shut off if we're not moving enough or we're sitting on them too much sooner or later they can shut off and so we want to be able to strengthen those glute meads and a simple way to strengthen your glute meads is a glute bridge mm. pushing your knees out if you can put a band around your knees even better that's my favorite but even just a 30 to 60 second hold five times a week working those glutes can be absolutely beneficial and we could get on the nitty gritty of right what we should do and should be monster walks or fire hydrants or you guys don't get too into the in the weeds work the glute meads do you know that rhyme <laughs> yes great don't, great work don't get in the weeds just work the glute meads <laughs> make sure that you're getting those things strong do you agree emily 100% every time i squat like heavy or I'm going into like a high rep squatting workout. I put the band around my knees and either do what what you just said, the monster works or the glute bridge. And I forgot to add one thing, right? As a sign to see like, hey, is my um is my body inflamed? Maybe you don't feel the low back pain yet, but maybe you do feel hip pain or like you said, your glutes perhaps for some people or maybe there is lack of firing, but also if you guys go just a little bit above your belly button on each side, so say an inch out from your belly button, 2 inches up on each side, your adrenals, you can start mm. to feel those and if they're tender, that's a sign that your body is stressed because it's pumping out too much cortisol and your adrenals are overworking. And the reason mm. I bring this up is because if they're overworking, then they get into like a depleted state and then they they're connected to all of these things muscles we're talking about. And again that's what oftentimes leads to things shutting down and then other muscles having to fire up and the pain, right? Mm-hmm. The domino effect. So that's what you guys can do it right now. Go to your belly button. Go up about 2 2 inches, right? Maybe about 3 finger lengths from your 
uh, from your belly button and then just go out a little bit and just mm-hmm. do a little massage, some little circular massages. See if there's right? little tender and, spots. And see if there's tender. And if you're like, whoa, this is kind of tender there and I didn't do any ab work. Right. Oh, there's something going on there. And mm-hmm. you can massage them and activate them a little bit, can't you? Yeah. So if we're going into a workout and you're wanting to make sure your glutes are firing and your lower back doesn't take over, yeah, you can stimulate them that way. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. It feels great. <laughs> so first and foremost, guys, take a look at strengthening the glutes. Strengthening first. A lot of people go to stretching. Stretching can be great, yet we want to make sure that, that, that we uh, strengthen them. The second thing that we go to is isometric holds. So like a wall sit with the knees out and you have some bands. Any type of isometric holds, we talked about the glute bridge and hold would be an isometric hold where you're activating the muscle and you're holding it on. If you feel like you're wanting to give out or you feel those muscles taking over somewhere else other than the glutes, that's a big sign your glutes aren't working. So if you go into a glute bridge, an isometric hold, and squeeze your butt, and then you start feeling your hamstrings or low back firing off more, that is a absolute sign that your glutes are not firing off. So if you're not sure, are my glutes working? Do a glute bridge for 60 to 90 seconds, like a max glute bridge, and see if your hamstrings or back start firing early. Mm -hmm. That's a sign. And sometimes for me, I have to put that band. When we talk about band, put it around right above your knees. That'll mm-hmm. help. For me, that helps a lot to fire the glutes off. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. When it comes to, now we got isometric holds, we got glute strengthening. When it comes to stretching, stretching is great. And it needs to be done daily. And it doesn't have to be that long. Research shows 30 to 60 seconds daily is more beneficial than these long stretching sessions you may do after your workout. Where we encourage to do some daily stretching is in your down regulating or your night turn routine. Just taking a few moments on your back. You know, you could do the, the cross legged to work the glutes. You could pull your knees up to your chest, anything that can do some stretching. And again, if you want to get in the nitty gritty of like, oh, low back stretch, all you got to do is look up low back stretches, Mm -hmm. right? But just know that it's more repetition, more consistency, and less time. The other one, we already talked a little bit about adrenal massage, but psoas release. Mm -hmm. If you haven't heard of psoas (laughs) or your psoas, this is a game changer. Okay. Emily, how is it when I work your psoas? Yeah. I think sports massage and like the worst, the, the, the toughest pain in feeling, <laughs> but it's great afterwards. It's great. Does your back usually feel better? Yes. After oh, yes. All, it has always felt better after that. There it is. You can look at, um, self massage tools like so right. P-S-O-R-I-T-E. It is a little more expensive than I would imagine. I think it's like $75 for this basically piece of plastic. 
but it is a great way to be able to get into your psoas and release your psoas, which is going to drastically change your low back pain. Mm -hmm. Drastically. So if you are not getting your psoas worked or you don't have a massage therapist who knows how to work your psoas, get to it quickly. Now we're starting to get into some higher level stuff in terms of hot and cold therapy. I, when my back was at its worst, I knew I needed to get some inflammation down. One of the best ways to work that lymphatic system is through dilation, vasodilation and constriction. And I did it by going into my hot tub and then into the snow because it just happened to be eight inches of snow. <laughs> and so when you do hot, cold therapy at two to one hot to cold, so that means two minutes in hot, one minute in cold, or four minutes in hot, two minutes in cold, which is what I did. And I did that in three rounds and it drastically changed my back pain. And it was more specifically the nerve because I decreased the inflammation around the nerve and so that started releasing my low back. So the hot cold therapy can be a really, really good choice. And you can do that even in the shower. You can go hot and then you can go to cold. And then you go to hot and then you can go to cold. So however you can work it out, that hot cold therapy can be really good. You can do it on the low back as well from doing some uh, like a hot pad to some ice. You can also do it on your glutes. You can also do it in your hamstring because that nerve runs from your back all the way down to your foot. So you can work hamstring, glutes, or low back. You do hot therapy, right? Um, so Yeah, I, when I was pregnant, I that was the only thing that got me through was putting a hot pad on my lower back and hips. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So being able to use that as a therapy can be really beneficial. And then the last thing that a lot of people actually don't recognize is again, that talking about that nerve and doing some nerve flossing. If you don't know what nerve flossing is, go to YouTube, put in nerve flossing, low back nerve flossing or hamstring nerve flossing. And what that, that is, is basically imagine laying on your back, bringing up one leg and then pulling your toe kind of straighten your leg a little bit until you got some tension and then pulling your toe back towards you and then extending it and then pulling it back towards you and extending it and doing that 10 times three sets. What that's doing is it's pulling or threading that nerve. That's why it's called nerve flossing. And so again, it's getting that nerve to move so that it can start relaxing or letting that inflammation go. So if you haven't used any of these techniques here, start utilizing them. First, start off by strengthening your glutes, by doing what we talked about, putting a band around your knees, doing some fire hydrants, monster walks, and being able to do some isometric holds like some wall sits or some glute bridges, anything that we have those glutes firing off and holding. Incorporate some daily stretching, if you haven't done the therapies such as psoas, hot cold therapy, or nerve flossing, implement them. These are all really good treatments to be able to have. Emily, is there anything else on the physical side there that you would add in or you've done before? Um, if, it, if you find yourself not doing these things, 
right? Because it's hard for you to know if you're doing it right. Go get a massage in at least like get some kind of manual work done from someone else. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. And the therapies that I have used in the past for my back, dry needling. If you haven't had dry needling done, find a, I suggest a PT, a physical therapist. I know some chiropractors can do it as well. Uh, I would suggest a PT just because they, they deal with more muscular structure than chiropractors do for the most part. Um, yet if you have a good chiropractor and they can do dry needling, awesome. Uh, chiropractic, making sure structurally are your hips sound. If those are super off, it's going to be hard for your back to feel better if your hips are twisted. So structurally making sure that those are aligned by seeing a, a chiropractor. And then if you want something a little bit more easy, uh, acupuncture is a good way to release inflammation as well. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the uh, practitioners that we would suggest being able to treat low back pain. If you haven't used any of those, reach out to us. We in the Reno area, we have some great physicians and, and body workers that we know that we would suggest you to. Agreed? Agreed. All right. So we talked about the nutrition. We talked about the physical part. What last part do we have? <laughs> last but not least, and likely most important, <laughs> our psychological state, <laughs> right? This is us talking about addressing the stress. It's going to mm -hmm. look different for everyone. And so there's lots of different ways to address and manage your stress, but it's going to, it really comes down to what we see as the common denominator in people of what people don't address and they need to is that past trauma or the stories or the beliefs that are holding them down and preventing them from moving forward. And so that could be going to a therapist that could be hiring a coach. Joel is really great at asking really great questions and, and allowing release, right? Whether you realize you need it or not. Right, what's the analogy you use with the bread in the cabinet? That's my favorite. Mm, yeah. If you, if you put bread in the cabinet, a dark cabinet, right? And there's a little bit of moisture in there. Say you just dropped a few drops of water in there. It's not going to take long for that bread to become extremely moldy. And this is what is the same thought process with those different traumas or feelings or emotions. Mm, my gosh, my husband's really pissed me off. I can't believe he said that to me. And then we hold on to it for three years and it, and it doesn't come out until there's a therapy session where the, Hey, that time when I felt really scared and you walked by and said, you know, that's, at some point you're going to have to get over that and walked away. And that caused a big unsafe feeling or uh, tightness and you didn't address it, it's going to sit up in that cabinet and it's going to mold away and it's going to stay there and it's going to get worse and worse and it's going to start affecting other parts of your body if we don't get rid of it. Yep. So whether it be trauma or it could be a simple interaction with your sibling, your parent, Whatever it may be, it could be at your childbirth, right? Or like you giving birth, right? Or even for the father as well, it could be traumatic. Um, and it could be just, hey, I'm a, I'm a worry wart, right? I worry a lot. And it could, so it could be the small daily things, but oftentimes that comes back to, okay, well, why are you a worrier? 
Mm -hmm. right? So really getting help because it's tough to do alone because one, we usually don't take the time to do it. And secondly, we need the tools to know how to do it properly and actually dig in there and release the stuff. So Joel's awesome or any kind of therapist that you feel comfortable with start somewhere and then mm -hmm. start to find something that helps you. So hire a coach, therapist, talk therapy. What other, um, is there anything specific to add to that, Joel, for you? The, the biggest thing, guys, is being able to get it out. Mm. Get it out. I mean, honestly, if you want to, go tell your husband about the time that he walked by, right? And that happened. You will feel massively better. And if you're thinking like, that's eh, not going to help my low back pain. You ever had like an emotional conversation, you get done and you feel completely exhausted. Maybe you cried a lot or so on and so forth, but you get done and you're just like, oh my gosh, I feel completely wiped out. That's because your central nervous system has been holding on to that emotion or feeling for so long. And finally it's like, oh, we don't have to carry it anymore. And so it goes boom, boom, boom. And you downregulate five levels. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're not sitting at level 10 all day long that you come down and you feel grounded. So for the first time in a long time, you finally go, oh, I can let go. And that is what we're trying to get to. When we get to the point of letting go, the central nervous system no longer sees that event, that thought, that emotion as a threat. Because if it sees it as a threat, it's going to protect you from it. Meaning that you're going to, stay away from the event or that person or that thought, but it's still going to carry it. Mm -hmm. And so it has to protect it. And until we go, I'm actually not in the threat anymore, right? What happened to me as a child, what happened to me in that relationship is not my present state. And when I let that go and I allow present state Joel to meet past Joel and go, Hey, Joel, Hey bud, it's okay. I got you now. Then we can go, Oh, so I can be safe in this moment where I usually would get nervous. Yeah. Oh, cool. Boom. And there's this release, not only in your body, but also in that low back. Okay. Because then what do you start doing? You start breathing into your diaphragm and you start breathing in your diaphragm. You start actually breathing into your low back expanding those muscles. When you're stressed out, you're up in your chest. We're not using the repetition of breathing into our low lungs. And so then the back can get tight again. Mm -hmm. You ever think about that guys? <sighs> breathing through your chest. Wonder why yeah, your well. shoulders and neck are so tight and your back's giving out because you're overworking muscles that you're not supposed to work. Diaphragm is low into the belly. That's the reason why we have it. So getting it out. Yeah. Is this Whether it be telling the person, telling someone else about the story, um, even if they're not a therapist or writing it out, which we'll get to in a moment, right? If you're not ready to tell that person, but really it comes down to learning how to downregulate yourself again, different for everyone. There's different ways to do this, but very common ways that are simple is Eliminate the stimulus, the stimuli, the things that overstimulate us on the daily. That could be taking a five or 10 minute break from your children, right? Asking for help. That could be before you get out of your car to go pick up your children. You take five minutes to do some deep breath work just in your car. 
that could be taking a walk throughout your day. That one's huge and feels amazing because you're getting outside mm-hmm. at the same time, getting some blood flow. Right. We know when we sit and stare at the horizon, right, that helps us get into a more parasympathetic state, that calm, rest and digest state. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation in general, whether that be breath work focused or you're saying a mantra or you're just sitting there, right? You could be looking at the river or the sky and nature, whatever you want that to be, something that makes you feel like, oh, I feel grounded, more at peace. For some people that is a workout and in that time period afterwards, right? To get some of that high anxious energy out. But then right after mm-hmm. it's like taking a moment to be like, okay, whew, I got this, right? Being able to still downregulate yourself after that. Is there anything else that you do? I know there's a few things, but. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is a practice y'all on how to downregulate. If you don't know how to downregulate, you know what you're going to do? Upregulate because <laughs> you don't know anything else. Okay. Have you ever sat at home and you're by yourself? Maybe the kids aren't there. You know, nobody else is there. Can you sit there and eat your dinner by yourself without feeling anxious? 10 minutes your phone out. and pulling your nothing, just you and your food. Does that make you anxious? Just thinking about that. Then you have a down regulating problem. You actually don't know how to do it. You don't know how to sit with yourself. If you're like, oh, okay, well, I can, uh, I'll downregulate by going for a walk and calling somebody. If you're the type of person that wants to call somebody every time you're in your car, you have a downregulating problem. I mean, listen, I love getting in the car and trying to call somebody. <laughs> okay. And there are times to shut off the music and drive. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Nothing else. My favorites. Nothing else. Allow yourself that moment. And so, Learning how to downregulate is a skill, yet you can use other things such as nature music, uh, essential oils, diffusers, low lights, weighted blankets, um, being able to do breath work, meditation, stretching. All of these pieces and components can help and be tools to be able to help you downregulate, yet you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And so just start off <laughs> with seeing if you can eat with no distractions. Just start off by leaving your phone and going for a walk. All right. <laughs> I know it's hard to detach. Yet if you go out into nature and take a 40-minute walk, I did this to a client just the other day. Get your hiking boots on. Go for a walk right now. They're like, right now, but the sun's going down. No, right now. What did I get later? a picture of the sun setting and them going like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. Yeah. No S Sherlock. <laughs> of course you did. We all do. And so it, Hey, it's a skill to downregulate, but when you start doing it, go ahead and check into that low back. You're like, Oh shoot. My back feels a lot better. Interesting. I felt like I had to do all the things to, I have to work it out. Sometimes you just need to lay your ass down. <laughs> And that's the hardest part I find for most people, especially a lot of people we work with of like the go-getters, right? The hard chargers to say, to stand up to yourself and say, no, I deserve this rest. I deserve to take this time to downregulate. I do not have to be go, go, go productive at every single second and actually flipping that script in your head of like, Hey, I'm being productive by taking this moment for myself because it's going to prevent me from getting Mm -hmm. sicker. 
Yeah. 100%. 100%. So psychologically, guys, we got to address the stress. Get a coach in your corner. Start learning how to downregulate. If you don't know how to downregulate, let us know. Reach out. We're really good at it. We still fall short, just like there's times that we have sugar and there's times that we don't get enough protein. All the things we talk about, yet we have a foundation to always come back to. And then the last thing that is so beneficial, yet very little people do, is mm -hmm. what, Emily? Write it out, a.k.a. journal, right? And some for some people hear journaling, they're like, oh, I don't like journaling. I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't know how to do that. I don't feel creative enough to do that. I heard that the other day. I'm like, what do you mean creative enough? <laughs> no, it's simple, simple, simple. If you have a stressor on your mind, write out what is going through your head. Is it a story? Is it a moment? Is it an interaction with someone? Write that out. Just, mm. You know, if you're telling that to someone else, like, hey, if Joel's like, hey, what are you stressed about? Write it out. What happened? Write it out. Right. And then Joel has a process in which you, what you do after that. That's it. It's very simple, guys. It's called four stepping your story. I'll give you an example. You have a story. We'll say you got in a fight with your significant other. And you felt a certain way. You've been feeling really frustrated. Write out what happened. You know, John came home and, you know, I reached for him to give him a hug. And he was so frustrated with work. They pushed me away. And then we started arguing. Write the whole thing out. Okay, step number one. Step number two, read it out. Verbally, read it out now. See how you feel when you read it out compared to how you wrote it out. Step number three, read it out at 70%. Hmm, why 70%, Joel? Because when we start slowing it down, see how I did the tempo? You see there, Emily? When we start slowing it down, it allows to sink. Because when you're talking really fast, then I have to be breathing in my chest and, the, and I'm actually upregulating. But when I go to 70%, I start downregulating. See how you feel. And then the last part of it is read it at 70% and add the breath with every comma into every period, meaning deep breath in with through the nose, long exhale through the mouth. Is it going to take a long time to read that story? Yes. <laughs> Will you downregulate while you're reading that story? Yes. Will that then take the edge and the threat off of that story immediately? Yes. Without doing anything else, you will look at that story completely different because you've been letting it rumble around in your head and upregulate you every chance that you get. So if we take the same story and we learn how to downregulate it, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, actually it doesn't really matter that he pushed me away. I get it. He had a tough day and now I move on. But if I just allow it to rumble around my head, I'll upregulate, 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 and it'll be a big deal what we focus on expands. Anything else put on that? Yeah. Cause if you let it if you stay in your head, then you start creating other stories about that. And then you start overthinking it and questioning it. Right. And it just grows as Joel's mentioned. So once the sooner we get it out, the sooner it's like, Oh, that's what it was. Boom. Moving on. No need to keep thinking about it and thinking about other things related to it. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you guys, we've covered and we brought this in as, as the low back <laughs> because a lot of trauma 
is stored in the low back and hips. And if we don't address it, it's going to keep coming back, coming back, coming back. This is why eight out of 10 Americans deal with back problems because most people aren't dealing with their crap. By being able to take these techniques, both the physiological ones and the psychological ones, you will start healing that back pain, no matter where you're at, whether it's acute, subacute, or chronic, you will start healing that pain. Yet if you've only been treating it physically, and not psychologically, it will hold on. We had a client who had hip pain for eight years. She had done all the things, except she hadn't worked the psychological part. She came in, we forced up some stories, we worked on her language. Guess what? Low back pain, gone. No more hip pain, no more low back pain. And she's like, I don't understand. And we go, we do. <laughs> we do. There's two parts of living a healthy and happy life. Physiological, psychological. Emily works the physical side. I work the psychological side. You come out the other end feeling like a million bucks. That's the proclivity method. <laughs> it's a method unlike anyone, anything else. We'd love to have you. So to wrap this up in a bow, top three things to be able to start helping back pain. Yeah. Number one, address the stress, right? Are there things that is going on in our day-to-day -day, weekly life that we can cut out or um, adjust, right? It comes back to our daily structure, it comes back to um, who we surround ourselves with, the food we're eating, right? How are we moving our body, right? So address that type of stress and how can we move forward in a better way? Number two, learn to downregulate, right? When we do, because it's inevitable, when we do encounter stress, how can we get ourselves back into that parasympathetic, that calm, rest and digest state more often? Because most of us are in the opposite, the sympathetic state, way too, way too much. Mm -hmm. So learn to take that time for you and experiment with different ways to downregulate. Number three, consistent daily movement and or therapy, right? For what you need. There's a balance there, right? We don't want to overwork ourselves. We don't want to be too sedentary. So moving your body, ideally, we have a whole podcast on an ideal week and what that looks like for daily movement, um, right? Mixture of cardio, mixture of strength, uh, and there's lots of other things you can do depending on what you actually enjoy. So therapy, perhaps too, whether that be uh, talk therapy, whether that be physical therapy, right? Both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So figure Absolutely. out what that is for you, but those are the main main ones. There it is, you guys. We hope that this really creates some clarity in different areas for you when it comes to low back pain. And this might be shoulder pain, maybe neck pain, so on and so forth. It is, it's all relative to the same, yet we focus physically on being able to help low back pain. Yet psychologically, if you're having headaches, if you're having shoulder pain, a lot of that's going to come back again to the psychological side making sure that we feel content in our day-to-day -day with who we are, with what's going on in our life, so on and so forth. So if you guys have questions, feel free, reach out to us. We appreciate you tuning in once again to the Proclivity Podcast. We hope that this episode was powerful for you or useful for you. If you have any questions, reach out. Emily, anything else to put a bow on it? 
Um, if you guys enjoy this, we really appreciate it. If you could share our podcast with others, we want to spread the word and help as many people as possible. So share the podcast, social media, text it to a friend. We'd really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Okay. You guys, once again, thanks for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you at the next episode. And until then, best day ever. Best day ever. Coach Emily, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. If you, you had two choices, you could either never have coffee again, or you could never have a sweet treat again. Which one would you pick? I would rather have the treats, so I would, I would, I think I would take coffee away. Wow, that's so tough. Oh, yeah, it is. Because I have coffee ninety nine percent of my days, <laughs> but treats less percentage, but they're so enjoyable. <laughs> that's a great question. It is a great question. Thank you. What would you say? Oh, I would get rid of sweet sweets. Yeah, I eat major coffee. Yeah. One, yeah, coffee is like. I mean, and really, it's not like we drink a ton of caffeinated coffee. We're not mm-hmm. doing it for the, it's the taste. I mean, a good pour over. Man, yeah, I'm rethinking my answer now. Well, it's final. Okay. You get no more coffee. I'm treats. And I'll make Joel's sure to coffee. walk by you. I'll just like. <laughs> mm. Sometimes the smell is better than just even drinking it. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You guys, if you're still with us, put in the review what you would choose coffee or sweets first person to be able to leave a review we'll send you a box of element on us whoop whoop all right guys see you later see ya.